Ahoy! You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Justice and Isla Krem. On tap today, we have Andrew Woodruff, Chief Investment Officer at Black Lotus Capital. We'll be dialoguing about the opportunities and shorten some crypto projects, how to easily spot coins that are destined for failure, and how to use short positions as hedges. Enjoy! Hello, everybody. Nice to see you, everybody. Hope you had good conversations. We're going to get this show on the road for those of you who are new to the space. This is a weekly event. We've done 152 times. We're going to very briefly talk about Diffuse Tap, the event you're at right now, as well as Diffuse. And then we're going to do a Q&A with the speaker, uh, Mr. Andrew Woodruff. He's going to share some nuggets of wisdom with us. And we're going to do two more rounds of breakout rooms, kind of similar to what you just did. Um, because this is, well, largely a networking event. About 45 minutes of every hour is networking in small groups of four, five, six, something like that. The audience is pretty much all alternative investors of one flavor or another, with pretty heavy emphasis on digital assets. But obviously, uh, not all we do. We do kind of more general alts as well. But we do want you to learn a little bit, which is why we have folks like Andrew on to uh, share some of his, his knowledge. If you like the networking version of it, we do do in-person um, versions at bars or whatever kind of casual venues. The next one is on May 17th. Mr. David Culver is hosting it down in ATL. So if you're in that area or can be in that area, hit us up. Links, registration, yada, yada. We can get you the information you need. Diffuse is a fun platform, primarily focused on crypto. Uh, we do a lot of things, but the primary focus right now is our DD30 product, which is an index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies that we're actually in the process of listing here in the US of A, just as soon as we get through the regulatory process. So if you have any interest in learning more about that, hit us up. But... Let's hear you who you're actually here to hear from. Man, that was a terrible sentence. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, Mr. Andrew, would you mind unmuting yourself, telling folks a little bit about your background and what you're up to over at Black Lotus? Sure. Um, hey, everyone. Thanks for joining. Uh, you know, Feel free to ask any questions or uh, chime in, especially in the chat room, if you have uh, any, any nuanced stuff. But uh, yeah, my background is uh, spent most of the last decade at a uh, multi-billion dollar uh, long short um, predominantly equities hedge fund uh, that just happened to be probably earlier on into the, you know, looking into the liquid token space. Uh, and uh, naturally over there, I, I've been in crypto since 2017. So I ended up helping lead the build out of their uh, parts of their crypto investment research processes, data analytics, uh, networking, you name it. Uh, I, was, I was a little bit that guy. Um, before deciding to, you know, leave about a year and a half ago to, you know, uh, go off on my own. And really the goal was to, uh, you know, help, you know, figure out how to create a, you know, what I believe to be um, something closer to a true institutional grade, long, short, fundamental oriented hedge fund uh, that's adapted from the, you know, the, the hedge funds that I've worked in in most of my career, uh, focus on deep research, bottoms up, all that stuff. Um, and a big part of that is shorting, uh, you know, for the hedging side uh, and, you know, really figuring that out. Uh, we have four general partners. Uh, three of us are based uh, out of Puerto Rico. Um, we all, you know, uh, or three of us generally, we, um, we have a lot of experience bridging the crypto world uh, and the traditional finance world uh, professionally. 
Um, and uh, Black Lotus, uh, we literally launched um, a couple of weeks ago uh, officially after building and testing uh, all with our own capital for the last, you know, almost year and a half now. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about us and happy to get into anything deeper from there. <clears throat> awesome. Thanks so much for hopping on. Really appreciate your time today. Maybe we'll start with some of the fundamentals. Um, how did you get started specifically shorting crypto? Where did that get going? Yeah, so, you know, from the equities world, I had a, a background in, um, you know, research, investment research experience in looking at, you know, shorts uh, of all different types uh, based on certain frameworks. So, you know, fraud, spads, you name it. And, you know, from spending a lot of time researching the crypto space, trying to apply fundamental research, uh, you know, to this space, um, you know, as, as you get into a lot of these tokens, the deeper you go, the, the, generally most of them fall apart in some way as far as sustainability. Um, you know, in the end, uh, you know, things need to, you know, produce profits or break even to be sustainable over the long term. Uh, and then, you know, crypto, it's even a lot more confusing when you, you know, factor in tokenomics and all the complexities of, of blocks and everything. So, um, well, the, the question that we were trying to answer is, okay, we, we felt good based on our per personal experience that we, you know, were able to discover great longs that have that 10x to 100x type upside potential. Um, but, you know, who cares if you can capture those if you don't know when to get out and you can't, you know, um, you can't actually realize those gains uh, without being, you know, good at timing, for example, which, you know, is, is very difficult, uh, especially in a volatile market like this. So the hedging part with the shorts really kind of, you know, evolved out of, out of a need for us to figure out. Well, how can we get exposure to, you know, these very high, you know, convexity, you know, uh, digital assets without taking the massive drawdown volatility and, you know, just crypto market risk that, you know, especially that we saw in 2022. Uh, and then it also, you know, it, it helped us, you know, figure out, um, you know, how to build a strategy that's more hedged where, you know, generally we believe that most tokens uh, you know, probably 95% plus are going to be price losers over time. Uh, if you zoom out in the data and look at it over the last six years, um, back to 2017, when I, you know, first came in, um, you know, a lot of the top, top 100 looks very different today than it did back then. If you zoom out even more, a lot of the top 500 in market cap uh, digital assets look extremely different than it did back then. So if we believe that most of these tokens are trending to zero over time, uh, can you build a strategy that allows you to get exposure to the, the best longs and then use, um, you know, basically a basket of shorts to hedge that out, uh, where you can not only hedge out, you know, the majority of the price drawdown, volatility, and, and other risks in the crypto market, but you can also produce alpha on that short side, uh, on that short portfolio side. Um, because if you can't produce alpha on the short portfolio side, then what's the point? You might as well just use a long-only cash, you know, strategy, uh, for example. So um, a lot of the frameworks, procedures, IP that we built out over the last year, testing, shorting, and all sorts of different, different circumstances um, was adapted from my experience in that world. Uh, and I actually think that, personally speaking, uh, that it's actually easier to, to you know, um, 
create alpha in short um, over the long term in the digital asset class than it is in the equity side, um, given the dynamics of crypto. So that was the whole you know basis for it. But let me know if you want me to add any context to that. Uh, I like the not simplicity, but like the approach of like, hey, the reality is most of these tokens are going to go to zero. So we might as well try to find the ones that are going to go there a little bit faster and get some alpha rather than trying to, try to ride crypto to the moon. Let's talk uh, super practical nuts and bolts. How do you short? So you, what are the options, whether it be on chain, on exchange, just kind of what are the, the pros and cons of each and some of the complexities involved? Yeah, so we've, um, in order to build a truly hedge strategy, um, you know, obviously the moniker of hedge fund, um, you know, we, we've tried a lot of different uh, tools and products to see which ones have the best correlation to our longs. Um, so, you know, you can manage the, the, the correlation risk, beta risks, uh, you know, sector risks, all that stuff. Um, we, you know, we tried, you know, equities, uh, you know, put options, you know, so on and so forth. But when those break down, like we've seen the last two days, um, you know, that's that's generally not the best, you know, way to hedge a, a long portfolio of digital assets. Um, you can do put options. Uh, you can do, uh, you know, traditional borrow, borrow and shorting. So, through, you know, prime broker uh, like Falcon X or one of these other ones. Um, but generally speaking, liquidity on those is limited for really the top 25 in market cap, right? There's just not enough liquidity there um, for for most tokens that are, you know, probably the, the, the most attractive shorts uh, in this space. So this leads us to perpetual swaps. Um, perpetual swaps, uh, for anyone who's not in crypto, uh, it's kind of a unique invent invention uh, by this digital asset class, like many other things. Uh, where, you know, think of it as like a kind of a perpetual rolling over futures contract where, uh, people can go on exchanges, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Binance and so on and so forth, and they can use leverage and get, you know, long exposure uh, indefinitely or short exposure indefinitely uh, using whatever amount of leverage they want. And the way those work is basically uh, there's a funding fee rate, uh, whereas um, if the perpetual contract uh, is trading at a market price that's higher than the spot price of that asset. Um, the funding fee will be um, the funding fee will be uh, a positive, um, and so um, that incentivizes. Sorry, it will be negative. So that incentivizes people to uh, you know arbitrage bots and so on and so forth to come in and bid up the perp contract price uh, to get it to the spot price. And basically, the longs are paying the shorts uh, in that example. Um, and it rolls over every eight hours uh, where the funding fee rate basically realizes. Uh, if it's the opposite, if the perpetual contract mark price is below the spot price, uh, the funding fee rate will be negative. Uh, and therefore, the shorts will be paying the longs in order to be short that contract. Uh, and it's just very dynamic and it, it rolls over every eight hours. Um, in that, in those contracts, there's about 350 to 400 names, uh, digital assets that you can trade, depending on the exchanges that you have access to. Um, but liquidity varies widely based on, you know, what tokens you're looking at. And obviously, you know, the likes of the Binance's and OKX's of the world have the most liquidity out there. So um, as you scale up, you know, you know, beyond 100 million, that shortable universe that we kind of call it, starts to shrink significantly um, if you uh, um, 
if you're looking to short things that are, you know, outside the top 100, for example. So perpetual swaps is basically um, what we generally use for our shorts. And then what we've also seen is by because most of the market is long biased, generally speaking, especially in bull markets, uh, those funding fees could be a source of yield for your shorts uh, that can be you know, quite attractive uh, over time. Um, and so uh, there's that extra element there because um, everyone asked me about borrow costs and everything. And I think perpetual swaps are just a more dynamic way of being able to manage that without actually having to generally pay borrow costs as long as you can balance it out across the shorts. Awesome. Super practical. And then I'll pick up some questions from the, from the audience, maybe one from Len. Are you using any AI tool to help you either find the shorts that you want to deal with, or is this kind of all traditional good old research that you're doing to identify the right options? Yeah. So, so um, you know, our goal is to, you know, as Warren Buffett would say, start with start with A and work your way to Z. Um, our goal is to really, uh, you know, have breadth in our research to really kind of understand the universe of investable assets in the digital assets class, right? How do I know if something is a good investment or a good short if I don't know the 20 to 30 other competitors trying to do the same exact thing? Uh, there is a lot of uh, oversaturation for different types of you know, assets or projects in this space. Um, and you really have to understand the competitors just as much as you understand a specific project uh, to understand if that has sustainability or competitive mode or, or so on and so forth. Um, you know, we have four GPs and two Columbia Business School, uh, you know, uh, MBA students uh, working, uh, you know, uh, around the clock, basically, at least on the GP side. Uh, and it's a lot, you know, trying to, to manage all this. So we've tried to automate as much as we can. We built something called the Map of the World, which is basically pulling in data, you know, through APIs from pretty much most of the major data sources out there. That could be blockchain data, you know, users, transaction volumes, fees, so on and so forth. It could be market data, obviously, from exchanges, um, but it could also be developer data, social metrics data. Um, you know, I, I joke, you know, I, I mentioned a lot that, you know, even meme coins have fundamentals if you know, you know how to understand social metrics. Uh, you know, by pulling in a lot of these different metrics and really understanding the universe of stuff out there, and we do this for the top 2,000 tokens, um, really, only the top 500 are, are you know, kind of liquid enough for us to to really, you know, play in that sandbox, um, given the size of AUM. Um, but, uh, you know, we try to automate as much as we possibly can, because really our only goal uh, or our primary goal to do our jobs well is to segregate this universe out between, you know, having a, um, a, a more concentrated basket of longs that we think are the best of the best that check the box of, you know, having a, a clear path to widespread adoption, sustainable competitive modes and value capture for the token. You know, ones that we want to hold three to five plus years out. You know, we want to hold the, the future Amazons of the world for, of this space, for example, and, you know, things that we think can compound 100x plus over that time. And then on the short side, um, this allows us to scour the universe and build a portfolio of diversified shorts that we think are the worst of the worst. Um, you know, we are we are generally always net long. Uh, I would say on average, our longs are twice the size of our shorts. Uh, and then our longs are also twice as concentrated as our shorts. So our shorts are, you know, if you take any individual short by itself, it's quite small of the entire portfolio. And that was done for liquidity reasons, for short risk, upside risk reasons. 
uh, for uh, a few other reasons, but this is where we generally come out over the last year and a half of testing this um, and, and experiencing the, the good, bad, and ugly over you know, the craziness of the markets. Um, but uh, you know, that's how we generally approach it. We are looking into AI already um, you know, because we, we're trying to automate even more parts of this process as much as we can. Uh, we also have a catalyst calendar. I, you know, I always talk about like, you know, um, I, I wish I knew for the top 2000 tokens when, you know, a few months in advance when a certain catalyst or upgrade was going to happen. Think of like ETH 2.0, but for like more obscure tokens that no one's ever heard of. These catalysts can shoot up the price, you know, two to five X. We've seen it time and time again. If I was aware of those ahead of time and we could actually do bottoms up research, you know, a few months in advance to understand the significance of that for you know, the fundamentals for the price movement, all that stuff that also helps us optimize on timing and sizing across both, both our longs and shorts. Uh, but we are starting to look into AI to see how much of that we can automate through there. Um, but, you know, outside of automation, it just, it really, there's no other way to do it. I mean, you really have to put, you know, bottoms up fundamental research to it to really understand something. And a lot of times, you have to also understand the real world, which I, I think for us is is probably another plus because we spent most of our careers researching, you know, we were generalist investors in the equities world, understanding the social media space, uh, understanding, you know, Google, Facebook's, uh, you know, the Amazon type companies, insurance, you name it. A lot of these things that blockchain wants to disrupt, we already have, you know, experience in those. So, um, you know, you have to understand that side as well to understand whether a blockchain project is truly a good product market fit and whether it's sustainable long term. Uh, let's keep going that the, the, you know, elbow grease getting in there doing the research for the fundamentals uh, and not to ask you to give away too much alpha and for the audience, not financial advice. So please do recognize that. But what are some of the things that really distinguish a more garbage token, something that you can, a signal that you you find super bearish? Yeah, so some, some of these are, are pretty obvious, I think, to especially traders uh, in this market. But obviously, one thing that's very unique about digital assets that's uh, uncommon in other traditional assets classes that we have experience in, so equities, fixed income, commodities, you name it. Um, is that uh, these tokens usually have some form of inflation, right? So they're diluting themselves over time, uh, you know, uh, based on the inflation schedule that they usually set out uh, to the, at the beginning. A lot of that fl- inflation comes in the form of, you know, uh, early investor unlocks, uh, you know, found, founding development tier, developer team unlocks, uh, but also liquidity mining, right? So we've seen a lot of gimmicks in this space where, you know, if you go play on their application, you know, you can generate, you know, yield in the form of the token of the application. And what usually, you know, yield farmers and mercenary capital usually does is they just come in, they try to generate as much yield as possible, and they dump it on the market as soon as possible, right? Uh, creating a sort of a yield, you know, usually yield market neutral kind of arbitrage strategy. Um, so uh, generally speaking, yes, if you have... Um, a token, if you have two tokens that are exactly the same, and one is, you know, inflating at 100% a year versus the other inflating at less than 5%, all else equal, mathematically, that token that's inflating at 100% should have a lower price, right? All, all else being equal. Uh, and if you zoom out on the data analytics and you look back over time from 2017, uh, this plays out over time. It's hard to notice in the short term because things are so volatile. 
But in the long term, those mathematical properties uh, do play out, generally speaking. What you do have to real, uh, be careful, of course, is outliers. You know, you could have a token inflating 100%, but, you know, it's just riding up a 510x on some narrative. And, and maybe it's a good product market fit. So not every, you know, like it's not just as simple as building a quant strategy around inflation. Uh, you do need to understand what you're shorting and what you own. So you can, you know, obviously build a better basket and avoid, you know, uh, you know, uh, things that, that can go up on you a lot. Um, so tokenomics is one thing. Also, token value capture, you know, a lot of these things make revenues, but they don't go to token holders. They go to equity holders or some treasury or whatnot. So you have to understand that. Uh, I think one of the biggest things is competitive modes. Um, every day, there's probably hundreds of new tokens that are released. Most of them are scams. Um, but um, you know, we've seen, you know, NFT marketplaces is an easy one, um, right? Where, you know, every month there seems to be some new hot NFT marketplace that's trying to compete with OpenSea. And, uh, you know, they're all generically kind of the same thing, right? There's not really any competitive modes. The network effects haven't been sticky at all because most of the people trading NFTs are just wash trading, right? They're just trying to generate yield from the token issuance or inflation. And then they're just dumping. And then once it's kind of dried up, they leave to the next one and, and they just kept, keep jumping and the token price just collapses uh, over time. Uh, so competitive moats is very important. Um, the competitive moats that we look for are very similar to what we look for in companies in traditional equities. So, you know, it could be network effects um, that are very sticky. Uh, you know, UX, UI uh, is very important, which we know blockchain is not very good in that area. Um, it, you know, brand, you know, matters uh, for certain things. Once you kind of cross the chasm, you know, people like to stick with what they know. Um, but it could be other things like talent, uh, you know, the quality of management, quality of developers. Um, it, it could be, uh, uh, you know, IP or technical capabilities like the programming language and the network effects on that side. Um, so there are a lot of things that you can look at to see how sticky are users and how sticky are developers in a certain project. Um, but we think that's a that's a pretty important thing because if they don't check any of those boxes, it's most likely a race to the bottom and going to be commoditized over time. Um, and then there's other things like you know typical gimmicks and scams that you know you can look at that are pretty easy to, to spot. Gotcha, love it. A lot of free help for everybody there. If that's your jam. Um, otherwise, just talk to Andrew. A uh, couple of breakout rooms now. We never have as much time for the conversation as we would like. Well, y'all, a lot of you here for networking. So we're going to pop into that. A couple housekeeping items, please. Networking, not pitching. Be kind to one another. Um, and then the big one is we don't do a participant list. Uh, so if you meet somebody, swap details in and there. Or join the Telegram group. It's a great community, uh, especially if you're looking to make connections. There's a rough format for the breakout room. But Isla, do you want to give the good folks something to talk about? So you'll be in a room with another few folks just like yourselves and I'll rearrange it hopefully so you're not going to see the same people that you had in the first round. Uh, and for our topic, is there something that you would have hoped to shorten the last six months and that you didn't get around to? Like, I don't know, Tron, for example. Uh, I'll pop you into rooms now and we'll see you back in about 10 minutes. Um, well, while I love here is the reshuffles of the rooms, so you meet new people next go round. Andrew, I forgot to warn you, not bad. Um, we always ask the same question, which is, tell us the future. What are you excited for? Uh, we talked a lot about what you're not excited for, but what's uh, what uh, what, are, what are you super jazzed about? And you get bonus points that mean nothing if it's something the audience hasn't heard about before. 
Sure. So uh, despite the topic of shorting um, and a lot of the, the ugly stuff in, in you know, crypto, uh, you know, we came into this space a long time ago because, you know, we, you know, based on frameworks of just how the world works and, you know, the, the idea we focus on is cheaper, faster, safer, right? If blockchain can do, you know, something, some sort of utility or mechanism cheaper, faster and or safer than the centralized world, for example, maybe not today, but maybe five years from now for a lot of these things, um, you know, we, you know, we want to be exposed to that. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we have about, you know, just over 15 longs uh, that we spend, you know, uh, a lot of time researching and always doing more research. Um, you know, there's things that are interesting to us and, you know, you kind of, we kind of look at crypto just like, you know, it, the internet, for example, right? Like not every internet company is the same as another internet company. Um, there is a lot of diversity, uh, diversity, not only in the types of utilities and projects that people are trying to use blockchain on, but also in the tokens, right? You know, some are governance tokens that you could, you know, say maybe are worth nothing. Some of them are generating real revenue that you can build cash flow models on. Uh, some of them are very early stage and, you know, they have staking mechanisms and other ways to, to value it more like a commodity or, you know, even currencies or whatnot using money value uh, velocity, you know, type stuff. Um, we, we try to look at all these, um, you know, based on what, you know, fits our frameworks. But as far as the utility case, um, you know, we like things that, uh, you know, have great blockchain product market fit. So obviously, you know, if you think about all crypto, all of it basically is, is cutting out the middleman and directly linking and incentivizing the users to interact with each other. And then the value that the middlemen were, you know, throwing goes back to the users rather than to, you know, Google, who just matches people searching for information with people who have information or you know, Amazon's a middleman, Facebook, all the big, most of the biggest companies in the world are, are actually glorified middlemen, if you think about it. Um, so we like, uh, like cloud computing, things like render, for example, um, you know, that's a unique use case that, um, you know, we feel like has a lot of legs and crypto makes a lot of sense for, uh, think of render as like an Airbnb for, uh, you know, GPU as a service, uh, for, for rendering. So, you know, it takes a lot of GPU power to create these images here on Zoom or on uh, in a movie or in a video game or a metaverse or whatnot. And we think that demand is going to keep going up and that the supply of GPUs is not going to be able to keep up. Um, you know, right now, most people use Amazon Web Services. Render basically unlocks the GPU power across the 99.5% of you know, the rest of the world um, where you can harness uh, a collective of GPU power from users to render things at a much cheaper and faster rate than what Amazon can do. Um, we like data storage. You know, generally, you know, Filecoin is nice, but the tokenomics are really ugly. Um, but uh, and the valuation is a little bit stressed. But things like Arweave are very interesting to us. You know, permanent data storage, uh, you know, peer to peer market. Um, you know, that's very interesting to us. Um, other things like a lot, you know, a lot of these marketplaces, whether the decentralized exchanges, borrowing and lending, uh, you know, insurance, which is going to, you know, there's a lot of legal things that's going to you know, make insurance a little bit harder. But anything that can cut out the middlemen and, uh, you know, and basically give a good incentivized ecosystem to uh, the users to replace it. And the value that's captured is not by the middlemen anymore that goes back to the users. That's what we look for in DeFi. There's a lot of different things that can do that. We love Bitcoin for store value. We think the properties for store value, generally you want it to be boring. So, uh, and, and very decentralized, whereas some other things 
decentralization doesn't matter as much, uh, in our opinion, but it all has to come back to cheaper, faster, and safer. If there's no conceptual way that a project with blockchain can be cheaper, faster, and safer than the incumbent, you know, uh, dominant player uh, in the centralized world, it's probably a good short. Love it. Cheaper, faster, safer. Keep it simple. Uh, Ms. Isla, did we fill enough air for your shuffling? Absolutely. I'll pop you into rooms now. And uh, the final question of the day is, what are some of the tools you might have tried in these kinds of trading adventures in the last year that you've seen uh, might be helpful in some of these more advanced strategies? I'll pop you into rooms now. We'll see you back here just before the hour. Welcome back. We're going to do a quick wrap up and get you out of here right at the top of the hour. Quick uh, items. One, next week, same time, eight, or sorry, 10 a.m. Central on Wednesday. We're going to be discussing uh, NFT pricing and some kind of infrastructure around that. March 17th, Diffuse Tap in person with Mr. David Culver. I did see he put the link, hello, David, um, in the chat. So if you're in that area, check it out. Do join the Telegram. It's pretty lively. And Mr. Andrew. Do you want to unmute yourself and plug your pluggables? How can people find you? Uh, sure. So I'm going to put my uh, you know email in the um, uh, chat room. So Black Lotus Andrew at BlackLotusCap.com, and then uh, you know you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you know under Black Lotus Andrew Woodruff uh, CFA, and then um, yeah, please please feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, you know, doesn't have to be for investing. If you're just curious on you know learning more or uh, you know, uh, understanding the space more, for example, uh, you know, always happy to try to be helpful in, in helping the, the world understand the space a little bit more uh, and not, uh, you know, um, focus too much on the ugly head headlines and everything that uh, kind, kind of, you know, warped a lot of people's views on this space because there is a lot of good. Appreciate you sharing some wisdom here today. And uh, Isla, anything on your end? We're all good. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming on. And uh, we'll see you all next week. See you next week. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.